welcome to Time and Crime. On the rocks! So we're drinking the Golden Glove cocktail. Okay, can I make a confession? Yes. I do not recall choosing our last cocktail because I'd had too many cocktails. And so I texted you and asked you what the cocktails were, and you told me. And in my brain, Golden Glove was boxing. I think it is a thing in boxing, but... Is it? it? I don't know, though. I didn't look that up, but it makes sense. Because I just... It, it, Golden Glove was boxing to me. So when you said, we chose something baseball for the children in Children 1 and Children 2 softball season, and I was like... But that's boxing. Yeah, so I did yeah. look up the Golden Glove Award, though, uh, regarding baseball, and uh-huh. it's an award given to fielders, so they give it for each position, apparently. Interesting. Yes, so it is baseball-related. Anyway. It is baseball-related, so I was wrong, but not going to be the first time today, not going to be the last time. <laughs> so this cocktail has two ounces of rum, one, like rum. one teaspoon of Cointreau, a half of an ounce of fresh lime juice and a teaspoon of sugar. Okay. I'm not super excited about the sugar. It's but a we'll take see. on the classic daiquiri. I just, I'm sweet enough. I don't need a sweet drink. Let's try it. Try it. It's really not too sweet. No, it's more limey. Mm hmm. I, I would, like it. I would like this with tequila. I like it with rum, but I would like it with tequila. See, like, I think like I might, it. Okay. I think I might like it with whiskey, where it's going to be more whiskey soury. Okay. No, I mean, yeah, it's refreshing, actually. We it did. is. I'm not going to not drink it. We did sure. use a light rum because that's what you use in a daiquiri, so uh-huh. that's where I went I like with it. that. We did um, not blend it. It's, no. I mean, I can definitely tell there's alcohol in it, more so than some of the others that we've had. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just mixed into a shaker, strained into a rocks glass over crushed ice, and to be pretty, you should garnish with a lime, but Ooh. we didn't do that. No, because, you know, it's a podcast. You can't see our pictures. <laughs> Unless you look at our videos. <laughs> and we're not sure how you're going to find those yet. Someday we'll figure that out. A secret deep dark web. A secret deep dark web. <laughs> I couldn't even say deep right. <laughs> so I bet you wonder what I'm going to tell you about. I'm really, really curious about a crime that has to do with baseball that's not Pete Rose. That's not Pete Rose. That was what I was going to say. <laughs> so I obviously the very first thing that came to my mind was Pete Rose, which immediately signals to me, don't do it, dig deeper. Absolutely, yeah. So I did. Um, I actually, after I found this story, I listened to uh, Crime in Sports that did a podcast about this Crime in Sports? Oh my goodness. I had no idea that even existed. Oh, they're great. They do, they have two podcasts, Crime in Sports, or two that I know about, and Small Town Crime. It's a duo, they're men- Obviously, they like to talk about crime in sports, but they did a podcast about this gentleman. <laughs> I listened to it afterward. It's really, really good. It's very, very well done. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Mine is... About the guy that you're talking about? About the guy I'm talking about. Okay, I'm excited. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Denny McLean. That might ring some bells to some ultra uber baseball fans, but not to me. Okay, well, the name sounds familiar, not because I know who Denny McLean is, but just growing up in a small town in the 80s, it sounds like he could be my friend. <laughs> I hope not, because he was born in March of 1944. Oh, well, yeah. I guess not. He has an 80s-sounding name! He does sound like someone that came from a small town, though. But he actually grew up in Chicago. He was a pitcher in Major League Baseball for 10 seasons, most notably for the Detroit Tigers. In 1968, he won 31 games in a single season, which only 11 pitchers had accomplished prior to him, and nobody's done it since. Oh, wow. So 30 is kind of like a major mark. That's kind of crazy, though, that the record has yet to be broken. Right. Well, I don't know that he has the record, but because it's like if you get to 30, that's the mark. So he and 11 other people have 30 or more. Okay. Yeah. And nobody since. Well, and that motion just, we were talking about this because the girls play softball and we were talking about this, how they rotate the boys out so much faster than they do the girls. And it's the motion of what the girls do versus the motion of what the boys do. I was talking to some, to a boy about how it goes. The rotator cuff. Yeah. It's just the way their arm goes. I'm, I'm, it's, it's very Damaging so, to the tissue. He actually, I listened to a recent podcast within the last couple of years also this morning 
with Danny McLean as a guest. And How is he a guest? He's alive. Okay, I need to hear the story. So, then. yeah, I'll tell you the story. But anyway, Denny McLean was talking a lot about that and about how nowadays they have options. Like they have surgery and there's different ways to rehab things. Yeah. And they didn't have that then. You went until you could not Until you anymore. couldn't go. Yeah. Um, they so used you out. They used you out. Uh, he started in 1963 with the Detroit Tigers and ended in 1972 with the Atlanta Braves. 1972 was a very good year. I mean... I don't wasn't alive, so I can't vouch for that. I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was a kind of an interesting person, all in all. Um, we'll get to a lot of that. This isn't really a single story, as it is a rundown of what made him who he is. Okay, where's the crime? We'll get to it. What did he do? So, in between sixty three and seventy two, obviously he was. In Major League Baseball, 68 is when he had his, like, the height of his career. Uh Uh-huh. In 1970, there was an article in Sports Illustrated and an article in Penthouse that claimed that McLean was involved in bookmaking activities. So, kind of a la Pete Rose, but this is not the Pete Rose story. But it's interesting that Playboy and Penthouse are the ones scooping it. Yeah. Well, you know they always say people read Penthouse for the articles. (laughs) I thought that was Playboy. People read Playboy for the articles. I don't know what they read Penthouse for. Um, Sports Illustrated also cited that... First Amendment? Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, Sports Illustrated also cited that a foot injury that he suffered in 1967 was caused by an organized crime figure who had (gasps) stomped on his foot. No way. As punishment for failing to pay off a bet, whereas McLean claimed it was from his foot had fallen asleep, he got off the couch, he kicked something, but it put him out Oh, because that totally sounds legit. Um, He was also known early in his career for betting on horses. Um, This one, I I found this interesting and actually put this as a separate note, this little anecdote. In 1968, September 19th, Mickey Mantle hit his 535th career home run against McLean. Oh. McLean had already won 30 games that season, and Detroit was leading 6-1 to one over the Yankees at the top of the eighth. When Mickey Mantle came out to bat, McLean let him know that he would give him whatever pitch he wanted. Mantle signaled for a high fastball, and that's what McLean gave him. He hit it all the way into the right field seats. But at that point, you kind of have to, right? I mean, you literally have a legend in front of you who's about to break a record. You can't screw with that. I mean, I understand that, but I think what shocked people was just that he was just so cavalier about it. I would be, I would be too. I support him on that. I think if you have that opportunity in front of you, they're ahead anyway. They're ahead anyway. So, yeah, after that, especially, McLean had a reputation for being... Charming, cocky, arrogant, reckless. He played by his own rules and could get away with just about anything, and he knew it. I, I, it's crazy that I've never heard of this person before. I know. I've, Given what he, what you're telling me that he's done. I found him very interesting. Um, and then here's my quote. <laughs> here's my quote of the okay. episode. Catcher Bill Freehorn once stated, The rules for Denny just don't seem to be the same as for the rest of us. I've known people like that. I like that. I know. He drank about a case of Pepsi per day. He was known to drink a Pepsi in between innings, pitching innings. Was he sponsored by Pepsi? In between pitching innings. So while the outfield, while your team is on the field, Field. you're sitting drinking 12 No, while your team was up to bat. Bat. Yeah. While your team, yeah. Strike that, reverse it. Strike that, reverse it. He's sitting there drinking. Does he bat? Um, Do pitchers bat? Pitchers bat in one of the leagues. I don't know which one's which, and I don't know where he fell on that, so I don't know. But that's still insane. I don't, I've not drank soda, dark soda. Sometimes I'll have a Sprite, but I've not drank dark soda in years and years and years. But from what I remember, it kind of like sits in your stomach like a lead balloon. So you asked me, was he sponsored by them? That wasn't a thing in the 60s. It probably wasn't. However, a Pepsi representative offered him an endorsement deal because he already enjoyed the product so much. Oh my goodness. So he accepted and 
McLean later discovered that the Pepsi rep was also interested in gambling and they formed a friendship. Of course they did. They decided to set up a bookmaking operation where they would both be kind of like silent partners and have the bookmaking done, you know. Okay, now I want a Pepsi. (laughs) We don't have a Pepsi. (laughs) We don't. Anyway, so that's, of course they did. Of course they did. Yeah. Let's see. McLean ended up being suspended by Major League Baseball for the first three months of the 1970 season uh, because of all these indiscretions. Oh, interesting. Uh Uh-huh. And after he returned, he struggled a little bit. He wasn't able to pitch as well. He, during that same season, he then received a seven-day suspension for dousing two sports writers with buckets of water. That's kind of funny. I know. Okay, I wish, so when was Pete Rose? Wasn't that in the 80s? Pete Rose was after this. And yeah. So also what's interesting is they co-writ a book together, but they never actually met. They each wrote their own little section. Uh-huh. And it was like something about, it was obviously about baseball. I don't remember the title of it, but it was like blah, 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 blah by Denny McLean and Pete Rose. But they never met. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. How to bet on your own sport. <laughs> It was like how to be better at baseball or something like that. (laughs) Bet on your own sport. (laughs) Yeah. So at the end of the seven-day suspension, like immediately after that, McLean was suspended again for the rest of the season for carrying a gun on a team flight. On a plane. He carried a gun on a plane. Yeah. In the 70s. Yes. Which I'm not even sure that was like a problem. It wasn't. But wasn't the 70s like the whole start of all that? stuff yeah it was you know because i i i consciously remember being when they made it so that you could not smoke on a plane yes but i i also remember in the 70s like people were getting planes were getting hijacked and and blah 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 and so well yeah i just told you a hijacking story you did just tell me a hijacking story so I, i there's so much i can say about denny mclean like i don't even have it all here but if i remember other anecdotes i'll bring them out but denny mclean was also a pilot. He oftentimes flew to his own games. That's cool. Yeah. And he was kind of had a reputation for being a loner because of that, because it was like he wasn't really part of the team. He did his own thing. Uh-huh. But Well, um, that makes sense, too, because it's kind of com- com- camaraderie when you travel to the game. I think also together. being like the star pitcher, you're traveling by yourself. You're the yeah. But in this case, he did travel with the team, but he also traveled with his gun. Well, yes. And he probably also traveled by himself so that he could figure out his bets. Which brings me to my next point. Later that year, <laughs> he ended up filing for bankruptcy, even though he was the Cause first. Cause he lost. <laughs> even though he was the first hundred grand player in Tiger's history. Oh, interesting. So he made he 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 topped the salary scale. Mm-hmm. He was and the he highest player. Still play- had to declare bankruptcy. Gosh, yep. I wonder what he did with his money. McLean had a lot of partners in his life. For various schemes, but he and one of the partners that he had has a good cocktail scheme to make more money by producing a nude baseball model calendar, which I keep wondering. I tried to find out more about this. Was it women modeling? Well, that's what I or was it baseball players modeling? I don't know. Because, you know, I might buy that. (laughs) Anyway, it was. (laughs) I like me some baseball. It was never published. So, alas. Although the hairstyles would probably have thrown me off because the 70s was bad. Oh, Raleigh Fingers? Come on, that mustache. Well, I'm not crazy about right now either. How many beards do we need? Like, really? How many players are there? Nine? We need nine beards, apparently. (laughs) No, no. No one needs a beard unless you're a lumberjack. (laughs) Just letting you know, millennials. Um, Sorry, I offended like half of our audience, maybe? I don't know. Do we have an audience? Well, Other than you and I and my husband who won't listen because of my voice. Yes, talk lower. <laughs> talk lower. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to speak like this. So in October of 1970, McLean was traded to the Senators, which were managed by Ted Williams, the legendary Ted Williams. The Ted Williams. Yes. Okay. As opposed to the ordinary Ted Williams. <laughs> McLean became one of five members of the Underminers Club, whose aim was to get Ted Williams fired. Why? 
He did not like Ted Williams. He said in the interview that I listened to on the podcast where he was personally talking, yeah. he said that Ted Williams was a legend, basically, but Ted Williams was a terrible manager, and everybody wanted him fired. Okay, that doesn't make much sense. How do you become a legend and a terrible manager? He was a legend as a baseball player. He was a great person, but he was a terrible manager, which I can understand. I understand that point of view. I don't I don't know enough to comment on Ted Williams' abilities, but I understand that point of view. Those that do? I think that we've all had bosses that... We've be- all had... That they became bosses <laughs> because they were so good at what they did, and then once they became bosses, it was very evident that they were not cut out for it. Really? Have we all had those people? I- <laughs> think we've all had those people <laughs> that they they're one way when they're level with you and then when they get power and superiority above you they're another way hmm. not trying to disparage ted williams though he could have been we a are class not act. disparaging ted williams at all or anyone else should they actually, personally know me and know what i'm talking so about so mclean actually in his interview told a pretty awesome anecdote about ted williams that i didn't know Ted Williams left baseball, left everything to go fight in the war. That's cool. Yeah. And then he returned, became manager, blah, blah, blah. But apparently he was not. That's cool. Especially given that war and yeah. what that war And he was making was. $100,000 a year. Yeah. And he gave that all up. And there's guys that did that with more recently with the more recent wars. But especially given that war and what that war was and what people were saying about it. And... You know, maybe I'm a little biased because my father is a veteran um, of that war and he's carrying lasting consequences because of it. And so many other relatives of mine as well. But that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, so that gives him a whole lot of points in my book that can counteract other points. Him not being a good baseball manager, but whatever. Yeah, um, whatever. Also in 1970, Major League <coughs> Baseball hired a former FBI agent, Henry Fitzgibbon, to be the head of Major League Baseball's new security office. His job was to keep track of players off-field and keep abreast of all their problems, especially involving drugs and gambling. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so Major League Baseball hired a guy to narc on what the players were doing off the field? Right, because they had professional standards. I, I get professional standards. Involving I, narcotics and gambling. Okay, not, okay, okay. I get narcotic, But still, there's got to be some personal freedom, right? No, they're playing for a corporation. Yes. If you... Gambling, gambling, you can't gamble on if baseball. If you do narcotics at your job and your job finds out, you can get fired. But I'm not doing narcotics at my job. If you're doing them off your job, you could still get fired. You totally can, I guess. I don't know. My libertarian's coming out. I know. I'm libertarian too, but I agree with this, that companies have a right. Company, they have, because they have a right to choose who they have in their employee and who they don't have in their employee. So anyway, McLean was the- It just seems, it just the whole sounding of an investigator investigating you just sounds See, creepy. it doesn't- rub me that way at all really i don't want anybody investigating me what i do behind my house is my house however you are employed by somebody paying you a lot of money and you signed up for these i'm not betting on the teacher of the year i'm betting on football well they don't care about you i know because no one cares about teachers (laughs) (laughs) so that's sad the security office's first big investigation was... And I'm not really betting on football that often, but if we go to Reno and we're there, we're going to throw some money on the Chargers. Just saying. Nobody cares. No, because we always lose. So McLean was their first big investigation, and the second big investigation was Pete Rose. So again, there's this nexus. That's that's him and Pete Rose. Do you hear yeah. Tiny Dog barking? Yeah. That's interesting. So they're just... Con- they're connected. So you didn't do Pete Rose, but you did Pete Rose. I liked the I liked the tie-in because it was obvious to do Pete Rose but I'm like obvious I'm not doing Pete Rose right also during the 70 71 time McLean was having serious trouble with his arm um it was made worse by the fact that he had done a number of cortisone shots 
Can't you only have like six in your life? So like, medical people, tell me I'm wrong. Yes, they've found out that there's a certain number at which that it's really bad for your tissue. You want to know how many McLean had in 68 and 69 and I'm 70 and 71? Okay. Like 30 a year. That's insane! And that was from him in his interview. Because I've heard like six in a lifetime. I've never had anything. No, I take that back. I've had one. I had a cortisone shot in my lip because of a cold sore. You want to say Which about- Which was like a baby cortisone shot. Oh my God, fuck me pain. Lip, cold sore, needle, But I'm just saying, that's not the amount that they would put in your rotator cuff. No, I'm just saying I had an open sore on my lip and he stuck a needle in it and stuck cortisone in it because he thought it would be cool. Yeah, that's not cool. I've had a lot of doctors do weird stuff like that. His arm was so bad, he had to stop throwing fastballs in 1971. Yeah, because you're, you're, it's just the motion of a man's pitch is just crazy. Your elbow is out in front, and then your shoulder, and then it seems insane. It is insane. In the 1971 season, McLean went 10 and 22. He went from the leading, from leading the league in wins to leading the league in losses. And that's when you need to retire. Well, he did in September of 1972. He made his final Major League Baseball appearance. He was released by the Atlanta Braves at the age of 29. What? Yes. All of this happened before he was 29? Yes. All of this stuff, all of this stuff that took up four pages in your notebook happened prior to him turning 29. Yes. Well, he might have been 29 for, like, the last part. I was still a child. I was still playing. I was still goofing off and being stupid. I was stupid until I was 35. 29. So. You're done. You're finished. You're over. You don't even know. That's insane. This story gets even better. What is he doing now? So. I'm glad you asked. Oh, good. So after he retired from baseball, one of the major ways he made money was by playing the organ at clubs. He was like... (gasps) The organ? The organ. He has like a bachelor's degree in chord progressions. Because when you're paying... When the the baseball people are paying for your degree, what do you do? Organ. He has a bachelor's degree in chord progression or something like that. I can't remember. My laugh is hideous, but that's hysterical. He also hustled golf. Well, he's already bet on baseball. Why wouldn't you hustle golf? Right. And then he even once earned 160 grand to fly a wanted felon out of the country. Cool. That is cool. If you got a pilot's license, why not use it? Yeah. I know. Talking about hustling, I have a student who tells me all the time about hustling basketball. He's in eighth grade and he hustles basketball. No, he just knows the word hustle. Probably. Probably. The one word he knows. <laughs> but I like to think of, you know, him like, I like to think of him like doing it, making some money. At this point, too, McLean's weight ended up ballooning to 330 pounds. Holy crap! Mm-hmm. He became involved with a financial services company in Tampa. I don't think you're going to hustle golf at 330 no. pounds. you got to walk from hole to hole, right? Right. And he turned to loan sharking and bookmaking because oh. that's what he falls back on. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know? It fall back on what you know. Yeah. In 1984, the U.S. Justice Department indicted McLean on charges of racketeering, extortion, and cocaine trafficking. We go! Yep. He was tried, convicted, and sentenced to 23 years in prison. He's an old fat man. No, in ni- he was like 40-something in the <laughs> 80s. Okay, but that's insane. Because I keep forgetting that he retired at 29. Yeah. But he's still 300 pounds and 40-something. Mm-hmm. So anyway, 30 months later. Is he in prison? Yeah, he went to prison. He went to prison. 30 months later. 300-pound, were- 40-year-old baseball player went to prison. I'm not 100% sure at which point he was at his highest weight, but that was his highest. I don't see him going on the keto diet. He should for his health. (laughs) Yes, but I don't see him doing it. 30 months after the indictment, the verdict was thrown out by an appeals court on procedural grounds. Um, What I heard in the crime and sports thing is that the judge was like, really really weird and like wouldn't let the jury like that he 
the judge was super tight on time, wouldn't let the jury have regular breaks and stuff, so allowed the jury to get up and get donuts and coffee as they wished during the trial. <laughs> Just go about your business. It's fine. Yeah. Can you want a donut? Go get a donut. Wouldn't, Need some coffee? Get some coffee. Wouldn't give lunch breaks or anything, and so it nope. was... Oh, my. The, it was overturned on those grounds because... You think? They weren't afforded, like, the normal amount. Because, I don't know about you, but if I'm sipping a cup of coffee and eating a chocolate crowler, you know, I'm not listening. Just saying. No. The government decided not to retry the case, which probably was fortunate, because it sounds like they had a pretty good case. (laughs) He still spent 30 months in jail. Yeah, that's nearly three years. Yes, that would be 36. I can... Still do that. Exactly two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that. Even I, though I'm not a math teacher. I hated that it said 30 months, but I wrote it down <laughs> anyway. Because <laughs> it's like when people say, well, my baby's my 30 baby's months. My baby's 30 months old. You know, okay, I quit months when child number one was 17 months old and child number two was born. By that point... Child number one's a year and a half. Because mm-hmm. I got child number two to worry about. Yeah, who's a day. Who's a day. And six days at Christmas. But I still hosted Christmas. So after prison, though, McLean really did work at turning his life around. He, he worked hard. He Damn wrote, it. He wrote some books. With Pete Rose. Well, one with Pete Rose, but he wrote several more. He appeared at card shows, doing signings. He worked for a minor league hockey team. He had a radio show. Ha- Where does hockey come in? He was from Chicago, so he loved hockey. Oh. Um, he had a I radio gotta get show. Into hockey. He was making about four hundred grand a year during this time. Just doing bullshit stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. Can we do bullshit stuff? Apparently it wasn't enough for him, though, because in 93... That would be enough for me! Me too. In 93, he bought Half a... Half that would be enough for me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm... I'm... <laughs> I've, I've had too much on the rocks. Go ahead. <laughs> in 93, McLean and another partner bought a 100-year-old meatpacking company in Michigan... You might, oh. you might wonder why would you buy a 100-year-old meatpacking company in Michigan. I don't know, because it's, it's lucrative, and the steak is good, you... Because it had a multi-million dollar pension, and within a month, the th- within a month, $3 million was, was taken from the company pension, and then it went bankrupt in 95. So he did it to scam. Yes. Them. McLean and so those poor people who thought they had hit the jackpot with their job got effed. Yes, he's a dirtbag. Mc- At this point, I was on his side. Now he's a dirtbag. I'm I'm very concerned about my retirement. McLean and his partner were convicted on charges of embezzlement, money laundering, mail fraud, and conspiracy. Because so, they built a bunch of old people who used to cut up dead carcasses for a living who were expecting a pension. To the tune of $3 million, yeah. So That's So pause that for a second. Okay, I'll, I'll try. Pause that, because in this was in 93. In 98, Denny McLean... He's still being a dirtbag? Yes. In 98, Denny McLean, along with his partner, John Gotti Jr., you may recall oh, that name. Yeah, that, that name sounds was... familiar. They were indicted on charges involving bogus telephone calling cards, which those <gasps> charges were oh eventually my God, dropped. I remember those. Remember I remember cards? getting the calling card. So these cards that they were scamming, from what I understand, were primarily targeted to foreigners and they would have a set rate. However, they would be able to go in and like jack the rates up or yeah. turn the cards off, all these things. And they so would, they'd buy a card for $20 that's supposed to get them so many minutes and then they would go in and it to would, the little system and be like three minutes. Yes. Oh my God. Those charges were dropped. I bought calling cards. Yes, we all did. It was the 90s. It that's was, insane. It, it was reasonable to buy a calling card. It was card. reasonable to buy. The, the, I was doing my student teaching at the time and we were not allowed to make any phone calls from the staff phone. So to call home, I had to have a calling card. That's yes. crazy. In 96, back to the first thing with um, 
not the first thing, but back to the thing with the meatpacking plant. In 96, McLean had to end up serving his sentence for those charges. He, oh, good. At that point, he denied that he had done anything wrong, and he tried to get his conviction thrown out, but he ended up serving that sentence, and I don't know what that sentence was. But, however, slash, here's some things available on Amazon by Denny McLean. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm excited to hear what Denny McLean is selling on Amazon. Would you like to hear his books or his albums first? He has albums? Yes. Denny McLean sings? He's oh, no, a, he plays the organist. organ. He plays the organ. Books, I, or, I, books. Give me his books. So Give me his books. His books are The Art of Pitching by right. Denny McLean. Okay. And I just want you to really, really listen to the titles okay. of these. But the pitching, I could, I could get that if I were, if I were a parent, trying to, you know, with my boy in little league, I might buy the art of pitching. Okay, okay, well, okay. L- listen to these other titles okay. that you might be interested in. Strikeout: The Story of Danny McLean. No, because he's a crook. Because he's struck out. He did. Or Nobody's Perfect by Danny McLean. I'm not perfect, but my imperfections are I don't wash the dishes every day, nor I commit crimes. Finally, I told you I wasn't perfect. By oh Denny my McClain. God! <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not, Denny McLean. No, you're not. Now, if you don't want to read and He's you want to listen. so much worse than Pete Rose, and they kicked Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame. Denny oh Rose God. still has a record. Okay, but did they did they prosecute Pete Rose because of Denny McLean? There could be some of that. Um, so if you want to listen to some beautiful organ music, beautiful organ music, let me suggest. I've never listened to his organ music. He may be he may be an angel. I think that he's. I mean, there was a lot on him. So I want to say he's probably good at the organ, but I don't. I'm not the organ. You can be good at the organ in a scumbag There's at the same time. Denny McLean in Las Vegas. Danny McLean at the organ on A side, B side. The Detroit Tiger superstar swings with today's hits. <laughs> oh my goodness! So currently, we listen to pop hits on piano or cello or violin. I am looking up on YouTube. Danny McLean plays the hits, and we are listening to that on Tuesday. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Or if you don't want today's hits, you can always listen to A-side, Extra Innings, B-side, Lonely is the Name, or finally, A-side, I Cried for You, B-side, Bell-Bottom Trousers. <laughs> Bell-Bottom Trousers tells you when today's hits were made. So the other day I, I played something and it was playing like 80s music and they were like, what is this? Is this is so they'll probably do the same thing with Denny McLean. But so I'm totally that's lost. Denny McLean. He's insane. Also, may I so add... So Pete Rose, like Denny McLean, 90 times worse. Yeah. Yeah. Also, can I add, there's so much more I didn't put in. Like, there's many more mob connections. There's many more schemes. Like... Oh, his foot injury? High. There's... Sledgehammer? So much more to Denny McLean, but I think I got the hits. He's lucky that the... Today's hits. Today's hits. You got today's hits. He's lucky that they took a sledgehammer to his foot and not his shoulder. I mean, really. Yeah. All right. They didn't need to after 30 cortisone shots a year. Right? So what are you going to tell me about? I... Okay. You're going to hate me. I went for the Avi. I went for the Avi. So child number two... We just happened to pick, to randomly pick topics that child number one and child number two have done reports on. So child number two took my number one. Child number one took took my number one because child number two had done a guest spot. So child number one wanted to do a guest spot. So child number one took my number one pick because that's just the best thing to do with baseball after I figured out that it wasn't boxing. So I went for the obvi, and I'm going to talk about how the Golden Glove became a thing. So you did know what the Golden Glove was when I just told it to you a minute ago? No, I totally, okay. When you told it to me a minute ago, yes. 
when you told it to me three days ago on text, I said, isn't that boxing? I know. And then I looked it up so that you would know. And now you're like pretending. You're like, oh, thank you for that information. <laughs> you know what? What the fuck? What the fuck ever? What the fuck ever? Yes, I'm cursing. Um, I, yes. So I, when she texted me, okay, honest to God truth. We do these podcasts a couple at a time. Last time we picked our two things randomly and one of them was Golden Glove. And then I did not recall any of it. Any of it. And I texted Shelly and I said, we forgot, to ch- we forgot to check to pick a thing. And she said, no, we did. It's this and this, this. And she sent me, it's this and baseball. And I said, she said, it's something about Golden Glove. And I said, Golden Glove's boxing. Because Golden Glove's freaking boxing. I swear to God, there's Golden Glove this boxing. I think you might be right, but it's baseball too. Anyway, so I then Googled Golden Glove, and no, Golden Glove is apparently baseball. So the Golden Glove Award in baseball, that is what I'm doing. The Golden Glove in baseball and how it came about. Okay, good, because I literally did like the most cursory Google search you could ever search for, and I put the name in the Google, I pressed enter, yeah. and I read the first thing that came out, which was that it's given to fielders for different positions. Yes, but I have found why. That's all I know. That's why I found why. So, baseball is, baseball is a complicated sport. Baseball, and, and having the experience of being a softball mom, baseball typically when you think of baseball, you think of pitchers and, and batters and pitchers and batters and pitchers and batters. And softball, we do the same thing. We think of who's the pitcher, who's pitching the inning, who's up, who's up, who's up. But baseball, other than, I mean, there's that, yes, but the, the games can be won and lost in the field. And Rawlings, the Mitt Company, the Mitt Company, decided that they were going to check that out. So as, so they, um, they decided that they needed to pay tribute to baseball's dis- defensive excellence. It, this award dates back 58 years. And Elmer Blasco, he was the manager of advertising in Rawlings Company. Yes, it's a corporate thing. but Mad men. It was the 1960s. Everything was about ads. Everything was about ads. So he decides, hey, you know what? Let's let's check this out. So he says, you know, I'm noticing that a lot of players use Rawlings fielder gloves. So he did a survey and he does a formal survey of all of the teams and he discovers that 83% of them use Rawlings gloves. Bam. Yeah, right? So his company is kicking ass. And so he decided that since 83% of them use Rawlings gloves and fielding is such an integral part of baseball that is not honored, he is going to, he's going to do something. So he suggests to his corporation, the Rawlings honor, the finest fielder, the finest in the field, quote, my quote is the finest in the field. So he wants to, dev- to design a specific defensive specific award that is set for something other than offense or pitching. Um, in 1957, they design this award and they start celebrating the finest in the field. It is the Rawlings Gold Glove Award, which is given, it's a celebrated symbol, a prestigious award, recognizing the best defensive excellence in baseball. They go through the early years. There's 19 national sports writers selecting the top nine defensive players in the American League and the National if League. Two of them got water thrown on them by Denny McLean. Possibly, because this is the 50s. In 1957, the Major League Baseball's picking the be- they picked the best nine defensive players from the league in '58, and they continue this until 1961. And then in 1965, they decide, okay, let's just com- let's just put it all together. And they decide they can't. The coaching staffs decide they can't. They can't pick their own players. So they change the voting system, and the voting system is what they 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 have kept it that way till 2011. In, in 2011, Rowling says, nope, nope, we're not just doing 
all defensive leagues. It's not just everybody who's out on the field. We're going to separate it down into these sections. Okay, that's probably what I read then, because my understanding was it was each individual position. Yes. So they they prior to that it was just, but which that kind of stinks because you, I mean I'm not in the baseball field. Literally. But I'm not. But just having listened to what's important softball, it's it's pitcher and batters, pitcher and batters, and that's kind of all they talk about. But if you didn't have a first baseman, if you didn't have a shortstop, if right. you didn't have your outfield man. I cannot tell you how many plays this year that were, even if the pitcher was involved, I mean, yeah, they pitched an awesome pitch, and that's how you get a hit, but even if the pitcher caught, they threw it first. Or if it was batted too short or second, they threw to first. It's now the, the third baseman. They're not that important, right? No, they're all important. They're all important <laughs> because you can you're you're more likely to get a player out at first or home. From my humble observation, don't send me emails. I don't care. But third, still important. But anyway, so in 2011, they decided, no, we're going to separate out three outfield positions to the top corner outfielders that would be are going to be judged individually. And they're going to be judged by their peers. So they're judging this on the people that are judging are the ones that are doing. And the 2013 season marked the first Rawlings formally incorporated Sabermatics as a component of Rowling's Golden Glove Award. I don't know what that means, but I like the idea that they're letting the peers choose. Yes, I like that idea too. And Sabermatics just says, I don't know. That's it's, too jivey. It's too jivey. It's it's complicated and, and crazy. And apparently they now have a Platinum Glove Award. Is that better? I don't know. It just says, like, here's my sentence. The 2013 season marked the first season Rawlings formally incorporated Sabermatics as a component of the Rawlings Golden Glove and the four-year-old Rawlings Platinum Glove Award presented by the Society for American Baseball Research Selection Process. It's still a big deal today. They give it to people that are, are doing excellence in defense, um, today, the Rawlings Golden Glove Award, but they call it the Gold Glove. They keep calling it the Gold Glove throughout all of the research that I found. But everything that I've heard says Golden Glove. It's probably like Kleenex, where we say Kleenex, Kleenex but, but it's actually tissue. facial tissue. Yeah. So it's one of the iconic player achievements in all levels of baseball, even though it is for defensive play, which is not necessarily celebrated. Um, it's celebrating. Well, it's nice for them to have that opportunity because it is. It's not like there's like pitching. There's the Cy right. Young Award, right? Which, by the way, Denny McLean won two of. That's so. insane. Yeah, but he was just a bad dude. So I see your point about how you act off the field pertains to how you may act on the field. I see that. I see that. But yeah, like you know, left field, right field. They're not gonna. They may be picked for their throwing ability and may not necessarily ever have a hitting or a pitching. And there's two or three pitchers per team. I just think it's kind of nice that they have this. So since the inaugural Rawlings Golden Globe Awards in 1957, they've only handed out 323 Major League Baseball players can call themselves Rawlings Golden Glove Award winners, including the six-time first winners the six first-time winners in 2014. I don't know what Oh, that's because that they separated it out to different positions. That must be. That must be. But child number two has did a report on an, a very iconic baseball player, and she would like to share her thoughts on that. Okay, so typically I was wrong. It's child number one that did the report on the famous baseball person. So she is actually doing my... My She's actually going to do the meat of the story. She's going to do the meat of the story because I, yeah, failed. Um, I told you about the Golden Glove and not very well. So child number one is going to tell you an awesome story about an actual baseball legend and how he changed the, the sport. 
Who are you telling us about? Jackie Robinson. Okay, so what do we need to know? That's so freaking cool. So, Jackie Robinson was born on January 31st in 1919 in Cary, Georgia, and died October 24th in 1972. Oh, so he was born while you were still alive. He was or he, he was, was alive, alive while, while you were still alive. Yeah. yeah. But it's what he did for baseball is just incredible. I can't wait to hear more. He was the youngest of five children, Edgar, Frank, Matthew, and Willa May. Jackie Robinson attended John Muir High School, where he played on the Pomona Annual Basketball Tournament All-Star so Baseball he, Tournament. He's from California. Yes. But he's also a multi-sport player. He was just an athlete. Well, yeah. Don't ruin it. Oh, sorry. With Ooh. other... He was placed on the team with other future Hall of Famers, Ted Williams and Bob Lemon. Ted Williams. I just talked about him. Holy crap. I had no idea he was playing on a team with Ted Williams. That's crazy. Robinson was also an accomplished tennis player, and he won something. (laughs) I don't... Matches, awards, (laughs) all the above. I forgot. Probably. In 1942, Jackie Robinson was drafted into the Army. And he was arrested by the military police for refusing to sit in the back of an unsegregated bus. Which an is friggin' cool. unsegregated bus? So, yes. he refi- it's an unsegregated bus. He doesn't want to sit in the back, and they arrest him anyway. That's freaking crazy, though. I mean, good How that he would- did that. Yes, but what gives them the right? It's an unsegregated bus. He can sit where the flippin' A he wants to. And he did. Yes! And, and now he's and, a hero. And now he's a hero. What else about Jackie? In 1945, Robinson signed a contract to play shortstop for the Kansas City Monarchs in the Negro Basketball National League. So he's still playing for the segregated Negro League at this point. Yes. He was paid $400 a month, which is about $5,100 today. That's so. a lot of money for you and I versus even a, you know. That is a lot. Like, I would take that job. I would totally. We take that job. You would play shortstop? Yeah. I, if you want to play me, pay me $5,000 to play shortstop, I will do my damnedest to play shortstop. He was placed on the Negro League All-Star team that year. Jackie Robinson married Rachel Islam in 1946 and had their first son, Jackie Robinson Jr., that November. They had two more kids, a daughter, and sh- a daughter named Sharon and a son named David. Wait, when was their first child born? Um, the November after they got married. Oh, yeah. Don't Which, do the math. No, I just want to know what year. <laughs> 1946. 46, okay. But he's not yet in the show. Yeah. He's still in the Negro League. I was just curious if Jackie Jr. might still be alive. Oh. Which well, he might be if he was born in Senior Senior died in 72, yeah. Oh, yeah, easily still alive. He played a minor league baseball for the Montreal Royals in 1946 until he was called... So Canada let them play before we did. Yeah, they're nice. <laughs> until, until he was called up to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers in the major leagues in 1947. Okay, so he's playing for the Dodgers. Yes. He be- it, you know, I have a Brooklyn Dodgers jacket. Yes, we all know. She wore it for her speech. I didn't wear it. It was huge. <laughs> Thanks, child. Well, it was... <laughs> Well, she's and, 11, so... She's 11. And, and I was, like, she was in nine. third grade. Okay, anyway, I love my Brooklyn Dodgers Jackie Robinson jacket. My my dear, dear, dear friend borrowed it for several months, and then he finally gave it back. Go ahead. Several months? Yeah. He became the first African-American baseball player in Major League history. Okay, and when he got brought up to the Dodgers, that was it. He was the one. He had broken the glass ceiling. Yes. That was the thing. Yes. That's pretty darn cool. How did his teammates react to him? They don't see hand gestures. No. (laughs) They can't tell hand gestures. Did did he get welcomed into the Dodgers with open arms? No. Or did did his his fellow teammates spit on him and ridicule him and yell things at him? That. They did not accept him. Yeah. That's sad. Even though he's winning games for them. Yes. Okay, keep going, sorry. He won the Rookie of the Year in 1947 with a batting average of .297. What? Okay, I'm sorry. I, but to win the Rookie of the, week, the Year as an African-American in the American League or National League, I don't know which because I'm not 
up on that. But to win that award, wouldn't you have had to have been amazing? And then as an African-American, more amazing. More amazing, yeah. Like, like meet the bar plus 20. Like Michael Phelps. Yeah, meet the bar plus 20. That's crazy. Go ahead. With a batting average of .297, 175 hits, 12 home runs, and 48 runs batted in. In 1948, Robinson hit a hit for the cycle with a home run, a triple, a double, and a single in one game in a 12-7 win against the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm sure there's a name for that, like a home run, a triple, a double, and a single. Yes, it's a hit it's for a the lot. cycle. Oh. It's a what? It's a hit for the cycle. Hit for the hit cycle. Hit for the cycle. That is, the that's cycle. not catchy, though. Hey, that's not a catchy name. Hey, child number two, next year. No, you know what? In your game in next weekend, hit for the cycle. I'm child number one. Whatever you are, child that you are in front of me, I've had a lot of gold Child rush. in front of me, that's all you need to say. <laughs> I've had a lot of gold rush. Next weekend, hit for the cycle, baby. And he retired. <laughs> and he retired in 1956. That was a good career. That was a good career. But even in '56, he's still. They're not. They're not quite there yet. They're not yeah. quite there yet. But he broke a ceiling. He started a precedent, and did a lot of good. Well, that was awesome. That was awesome. So her story is way more. I mean, my story was about the award that we're talking about, but. Her story talked about a person that is breaking the ceilings so that... And mine talked about a person that was breaking the law. (laughs) Because you're crime and I'm time. And you know, we're really, we really don't know what we're talking about. We're not experts. We're just drunks. So... What if people like this and they want to talk to us? They can contact us. There's a number of ways. Okay, what? So you can email us at crimeandtimeotr at gmail.com. And we also would be happy to have your cocktail suggestions. Yes, please send us cocktail ideas. Um, You can talk to us on Facebook at Facebook at Crime and Time on the Rocks. We're on Instagram, too. We're at Crime and Time, and child number one handles our Instagram it's for adorable. the most part. So. It's adorable. Um, and Twitter, we're at Crime and Time. So tweet at us or, you know, whatever you do. Whatever you do. Thank you for listening.